The big three are back on today's audio exclusive Locked on Suns game preview of Suns Nets in Phoenix. We talk about the debut of the trio we've all been waiting for. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member, covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Pre-game, ahead of Suns Nets, back-to-back. I will be back at the arena like 16 hours after I left it, but that's what we love. Home stands and the return, the debut of the Suns Big Three. If you have not already, hit follow or subscribe wherever you're finding this. We are on all audio feeds for these preview shows. So if you are one of the lucky few who has already hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever, fortunately for you, you get this in your feed. If you're on YouTube, and that's where you mostly find this show, you're probably not even hearing this unless you made your way over here for the preview. But the YouTube audience does not get this. Just you guys. Let's dive in, though. Sun's on offense first. We have to. That's what this is all about. That's what this whole... Damn thing has been leading up to. So let's get to it. The Suns on offense after last night's game against the Warriors are up to 11th. 117.4 offensive rating. And the Brooklyn Nets have a 115.7 defensive rating. For a reminder, what the Suns do well on offense primarily is get to the free throw line. They are good as far as offensive rebounds go. Last night, you would have convinced yourselves they're a pretty darn good three-point shooting team, but it's not always the case. Suns have not been great around the rim this year, but they are the third-best three-point shooting team in the NBA by accuracy, by efficiency. They don't get a ton up, but they make them. On the Nets' side, I will also add on the Suns' side, Grayson Allen is out with a groin strain. Nasir Little is questionable. Not sure if Nasir Little affects the offense too much, but Allen does, of course. Josh Okogie's still out. So, on the net side, real quick, what they do well as a defense, they rebound well, they don't foul. So, it is exactly the opposite of what the Suns are good at, which makes for a fun clash. Let's get to the lineup, because I think that's the important thing, first and foremost, as we await the debut of the Big Three. Obviously, all three of those players will start, Booker, Durant, and Beal. We will also see Yusuf Nurkic at center, of course. And from there, I think it is most likely to just be Eric Gordon tonight because the Nets don't necessarily have one dynamic creator that you worry about. They're pretty big, even though Cam Thomas is starting games for them now. He's the only small player on the court at 6-3, but Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, even off the bench, Finney Smith, Royce O'Neal, everybody else is big. So I think having Gordon, being able to switch, having his floor spacing for the big three, I think that's where they'll go. The other option would probably be Jordan Goodwin. 
just based on maybe you want somebody to guard Cam Thomas. Maybe they do go with... I don't I don't think it'll be anybody but those two, actually, because Chemezi Metu is a little too big to be somebody that you would want guarding Mikael Bridges, and Kata Bates-Diop does not seem to be really in the rotation right now. So that's my guess. But let's get to the offense and and get a little bit more specific about what we're looking at. And I think the reason I was so excited last night and, and had such so much to say about that that Warriors game is even previewing it and then recapping it on on the on the show is the role Beal played from the jump is exactly what we envisioned him playing. And it's pretty clear now that what Durant how he and Durant looked the first go round that Beal played just wasn't even really a much of a advertisement at all for what this actual offense is going to look like at full strength. Booker's the key to it, right? And so Beal kind of joked after the game that he doesn't love his first shot being a three, which is kind of funny. Uh, one, because he's a good three-point shooter. Two, because uh, it might happen more often the rest of the year based on how this uh, t- team is going to operate. But off-ball, running off of screens, misdirection stuff. You know, I think the first one of his buckets was on this twirl action that kind of turned into a Spain pick and roll or a, like a like a, a down screen to the top of the arc where the twirl is exactly what it sounds like. I, I don't even know if there are actual rules for what that set like has to look like in order to be called twirl or if we all just kind of looked at it and then, okay, that's a twirl. But basically just spins through multiple screens and then... I think he may have become the screener and, and then ended up popping open for a three. That type of thing where he is demanding that a good defender track him off the ball or that a team switch repetitively through those screens, then using his sort of gravity as a shooter to either pull a defender out of help position, make an open three, or kind of run something quickly as a second side action is going to be a big foundation of the Suns offense. And so we already kind of know how things look with Booker and Durant, right? Quick hitting, simple pick and rolls that either are designed to generate a mismatch or generate space or just create flow for those two elite one-on-one creators to get to work. You add Beal to that equation, something that I've harped on a lot is the fact that everybody on this team is a different size in terms of the offensive engines of the team, including Nurkic, is a big strength. Because when you're thinking about creating a mismatch, you're thinking about teams switching or playing you know, aggressive junk help defenses where we saw last night even Booker getting crowded at half court by the Warriors, that all creates pressure on the defense if you can beat that initial coverage. And then what happens is the wrong guys end up needing to do more than than they usually do from the defense behind that, right? So you have a screen set by Yusuf Nurkic up top, you have Beal and Durant running something off ball. 
that's that's not it doesn't even have to be that complicated for the defense to just make mistakes have to make difficult decisions and most likely give up something they don't want to give up an open shot to somebody a mismatch to somebody space over here where it shouldn't be Booker just getting easily downhill from that initial screen because the help can no longer be there like we saw against the Lakers in the NBA Cup game. The ripple effects of Beal being that type of threat are going to be huge, and you just add Durant with his size, his one-on-one ability, his IQ, and his shooting ability, of course. You know, this is all stuff we were saying in July, but it's coming to fruition now, and I've seen nothing to make me think that it's not going to be the case. But when we look specifically at Brooklyn, they're going to switch a lot. They're going to be aggressive. You can bet that they will make some sacrifices on open shots or the potential of open shots to even the other star players on this team in order to take away the ball handler and play passing lanes, try to force turnovers, rely heavily on Claxton as a backline defender who is very, very good and athletic, but you know the defense for the Nets, as I said, is pretty paltry this year overall 19th but that is uh going to be their their kind of recipe they allowed 131 points to the kings the other night the kings made 25 threes and had 38 assists the kings also were able to get into transition where they had 15 fast break points and 16 points off turnovers total The Suns will look to replicate that. If you give this Suns team any easy points on top of what they're already going to get, as I talked about in the Warriors game recap last night, it's over for you. But let's talk about if they can generate some turnovers and why this Nets offense is not to be overlooked after one break. We're keeping it rolling here. Locked on Suns game preview exclusive to the audio feed, Spotify, Apple, and beyond. Thank you for being here. Hope you're excited for this big three debut. Maybe you'll even be in the building. It's going to be a fun one. We're not even going to really talk about the Twins homecoming aspect of this. Did it a little bit on Monday show with Brandon, but there's too much basketball stuff to keep track of at this point now with the team actually coming together that I will see the tribute video, but beyond that, who cares? These guys, uh, these guys are the enemy tonight at the end of the day. Still, they are a formidable opponent. The Nets are 118.4 offensive rating. They are eighth in the NBA on that side of the ball. After last night's game, the Suns are actually up to 13th in defense, which is tracking where you want it to, 114.5 defensive rating. So if you just look at that, you might think the Nets have a a pretty darn good chance here, and I, I tend to think they do. I mean, they have the rest advantage as well. They haven't played since Monday, whereas the Suns, played of course on Tuesday night in a in a late tip so even that extra hour makes a little bit of a difference for people's sleep schedules and the Suns are getting there's going to potentially be some rust right so this Nets offense is is more than capable of matching what the what the Phoenix offense does as crazy as that sounds I, I don't know if I would say that a month from now when these guys are are gelling on the Suns side but The Nets have just simply been one of the better teams in the NBA lately, and uh, they should not be overlooked. Over the past two weeks, 
The Nets offense is eighth, which I think is the same as their normal mark, but it has a 122.5 offensive rating. So having a downhill threat in Claxton has helped on both ends, but especially on offense, actually. Cam Thomas, now healthy, goes a long way on that end, too. And let's break down how the Suns can try to stop them. So I mentioned some of the lineup stuff. If I'm correct that it's Gordon, I think it's worth mapping out what the primary matchups will be and how the Suns will try to defend some of this stuff. One, we know the Suns will be in drop, right? So both Cam Thomas and Mikhail Bridges, Cam Thomas from three and two point range on the mid on the pull-up jumpers, and Bridges primarily on the twos, pull-up twos, are threats to make the Suns pay for that that scheme, right? So there's one. You need you need their defenders to fight through screens, stay attached, contest from behind, do all the things that point of attack defenders need to do. Of course, we know that's not a strength of the Suns. So who are those primary defenders? I have a feeling that Beal will need to guard Cam Thomas. I would expect that Booker will guard Spencer Dinwiddie. And I think that that is, is where... Actually, I'm not even positive of that. You don't want Durant to have to run through screens. That's, the, that's one of the problems here. But the, the deal with the Nets is that all four guys, aside from Claxton, run pick and roll. So how do you protect Durant the most? Do you have him be more of a guy who's having to contest off ball so that he can switch some of those or not have to be so on his P's and Q's? And then you have him guard Cam Johnson? It's probably what I would do. So then you have Gordon and Booker between Dinwiddie and Bridges. I kind of like the idea of Gordon guarding Bridges because Mikhail is somebody with his frame and his his handle is good, but it's certainly not point guard good. Get him off his spots, play him physically, try to make him uncomfortable even if you're not attached, and obviously Gordon is not likely to contest a lot of Bridges' jumpers. I think that's where they'll go, especially because Bridges is the highest usage guy on this team, even above Dinwiddie. And so you want Booker to not have to be guarding the number one option if you can. I mean, just look at last night. The Suns defended, they had Booker defend Draymond. That should show you how much they're trying to insulate Booker from having to take on difficult matchups when he doesn't need to. But they're gonna, the Suns are also going to switch a ton. That's the thing about switching teams. The Nets are going to switch on defense, but because of the personnel they're going to put out there when that's the case, they kind of also make you switch against them. So there will be a lot of drop coverage in pick-and-roll situations, but when Cam Johnson's coming off of a screen, when somebody besides Claxton is the screener, you will see switching like-sized players, whenever they are setting screens for one another, I would expect the Suns to switch. They do that against most teams, but, you know, especially this team. I mean, every team switches against that, that, that type of stuff in 2023. But they have to be on it. They have to defend the three-point line, which, especially in some of the bench units and at ends of games and these lulls that Suns fans are tired of seeing from this team, that's one problem the Suns run into quite a bit. They... They just lose three-point shooters. It's it's a very strange thing to see from a team that has championship aspirations. 
they allow teams to shoot the fifth most threes, sorry, fifth fewest threes in the league, the Suns do. But somehow, uh, they've also only allowed 36% of them to go in, which is also top seven. I just don't buy those numbers. I know I was saying positive and negative stuff as I walked through that, but the point is, the numbers look good. I don't buy them. I think the Suns' three-point defense can be leaky at times, and especially as they integrate new personnel. And the other thing to realize about the the big three being here now is the Suns are going to have fewer defense-first lineups on the court over the course of games, right? So it's nice to see that their defensive rating has trended upward to 13th. I think you can say some good things about Yusuf Nurkic. I think people like Nasir Little and Jordan Goodwin have been pleasant surprises. Durant has a, a high ceiling on defense that I don't even think he's hit yet, but the reality is, as much as I was complaining about the Jordan Goodwin, Josh Okoge combo lineups and some of that other stuff, those lineups succeeded on defense. The Suns were able to put out some some units, especially in the reserve portions of the game, that could really close off the opposing team and and dig in on defense. That's it's not really going to be the case I usually just go offense, defense, so some of the big picture stuff I don't hit on, but obviously what I'm watching for, does Beal play more minutes tonight? He played 27. I think the range was probably 25 or so that they wanted him to hit, and he went over that. How does that affect his minutes tonight, his his stamina tonight, everything else? How many stars do the Suns try to have on the court at one time? Do they try to always have two? Do they only try for one most of the night because Durant and Beal may be limited in terms of their minutes. We'll have to see. As far as the Nets go, to close it out, they don't have... They rely a lot on on their starting lineup for offense. Their best bench players are versions of the same guy in Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. Everybody on this team that plays big minutes, so basically the starters plus those two, is is high IQ and and buys into what this team is doing. They play pretty quick. They move the ball well. They bomb threes, and everybody buys into that that identity. But if the Suns can win the bench minutes by having a star or two out there at all times, that's a margin that they can win this game on. The other thing is that the Nets are also a good offensive rebounding team. So this is just a a really interesting opponent for the Suns considering all the health uh health stuff, rest stuff, stylistic thing like this is a perfect test, I think. And you throw in the baggage of Cam and Mikhail being back and and everything else, the hype around the big 3 that the arena I can't even imagine tonight what it's going to be like. This is uh this is a really cool one to to have it all come together for and uh i'm sure you'll all be tuned in i will be there with a recap show after the final buzzer enjoy the game i will talk to you tonight